Let's pray together before we get into God's word. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you for giving us your word. Would you please now give us the ability to receive it, be transformed by it? Would you help me to present it without distorting it or diluting it? Would you mold us to be the people you would have us to be this morning? We submit ourselves to you. If there's any sin in our hearts that would hinder us, from fully and joyfully receiving your word. Would you please bring that to our minds? Help us to confess those sins before you and repent and receive the forgiveness you freely offer to us through Jesus Christ. If there's any concerns in our minds that would distract us from focusing for these few moments on your word, would you help us to entrust those things to you and not to worry about them or feel anxiety about them, but to trust you with them Do you bring those things to mind? Help us to settle in now and give our full heart a focus to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for praying with me. So we will be in 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16, beginning at verse 1. If you'd find that in your Bibles, you can follow along. It'll also be projected. We have thought a lot lately about what it means to be the church together. It was a major focus last year, and as we've studied 1 Corinthians each summer, it's been an inherent focus of this letter. And as we've thought about that, we've pretty much focused on being the church together here, us being our church together. Today's passage reminds us that we're also part of the church with a capital C, We are part of all the Christians that God has created around the world. I did a little bit of research. If the numbers I found are accurate, uh, it's hard to find these numbers, but I think they're probably roughly accurate. There are over a thousand churches in Charlotte. So right now, over a thousand groups of Christians gathering like we are around Charlotte. The same Holy Spirit that is here among us is among them. The same scripture that we submit to and receive, they are submitting to and receiving. The same Jesus Christ who is our Savior is their Savior. The same Jesus Christ who is our Lord is their Lord. Over a thousand churches just in Charlotte. In North America, over 400,000 churches gathering according to their time zones this morning to worship and, and lift up Jesus Christ. Around the world, over 10 million churches. So I share all this with you to remind you that we are part of something much, much bigger than ourselves. Our church is part of something much, much bigger than just our church. And this has implications Back in chapter 12, verse 26, Paul was talking about our relationships with one another within the church, and he said, if one member suffers, all suffer together. Well, it turns out that that's not only true for our individual Christian relationships with one another as people, but it's true for churches and their relationships to each other. If one suffers, we all suffer together because we are all connected by Jesus Christ. So, In chapter 16, Paul starts 
just some real specific practical closing instructions. It's the last chapter of the book. And he begins those instructions with a call for the Corinthian Christians to help another church financially. So let's read it together. Just the first four verses. Paul writes, Now concerning the collection for the saints, that's a term the Bible uses for just all Christians. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the church of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. And we'll stop right there. Now, there's nothing really poetic about this passage. This is an administrative matter here between Paul and the church in Corinth. And he's saying to them, apparently they've already had an ongoing discussion about collecting some funds to help the Christians in Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem, which is in need. And Paul's saying, okay, we've been talking about this. I want you to be working on it when I come. I'll make this collection and we'll send it to Jerusalem. And what I want to point out from this really very straightforward passage is just three straightforward principles for churches helping other churches financially. Now, this isn't something that we talk a lot about or think a lot about, but I think it's going to be helpful to us. So let's just look in here. Three, three principles for churching, helping, churches helping other churches financially from these four verses. The first thing I want to point out that we see in there is that it was directed by someone with a broader view. Look back at verse 1. It was directed by someone with a broader view. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. And we know by the end of the passage that he's talking about a collection for Christians in Jerusalem. So I did my best to find a good map to show you, to just give you an idea of the geography of all this, if we could put that up there. The best map I could find was actually the one in the back of my Bible, so I took a picture of it with my phone and uh, emailed it. I know you can't read what that says, but you can see the red circles, right? Okay, so the one on the left, that's Corinth. So that's where these Christians are who are receiving this letter. Okay, the ones on the upper right, that's Galatia. So when Paul says, I want you to operate in the same way that I instructed the churches of Galatia to operate, that's where those people are. Now, the one down south there, that one down at the bottom, that's Jerusalem. That's where the churches are that Paul's trying to get these collections to, to help them. So to give you a little bit of an idea of the, the distances there, if you went by, by land from Corinth to Jerusalem, which obviously that would be a long route, it would be the same distance as getting from Charlotte to Phoenix, Arizona. So you, just give you a little bit of the scale Um, I should have looked up the distance by ship because that obviously would be the way you'd want to go, but I didn't, so I don't have that. But maybe that'll just give you some idea that these weren't real close to each other. These weren't like next-door neighbors. It's not like Paul writing to us to see if we would help out Arlington Baptist Church over here where we could walk over there together after the service. They were pretty far away. 
they wouldn't have been privy to the day-to-day realities of the Christians in Jerusalem, neither would the Galatian Christians in those churches, unless they had someone like Paul who could see the whole playing board at once and realize there's a, a problem in the churches in Jerusalem that they're not able to address among themselves. They need the help of their fellow Christians from abroad, other churches. So he talks to the Galatians and he talks to the Corinthians and works with them to try to get help for the Jerusalem Christians. They didn't have email. They didn't have websites. They didn't have texting or any of those things. They needed leadership. They needed someone to prompt them and direct them and coordinate with them in order that these churches could help each other in the greater body of Christ. So that's the first thing I want to point out. These churches helping each other financially was directed by someone with a broader view than any one person within one church. The second thing I want to point out is that it was done systematically. Look at verse 2. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. So this is a very simple system that Paul is suggesting here. Uh, It's not exactly a program. It's just a suggested way to do this. The first day of the week, and he's referring to Sundays. That's what they would have called Sunday. Set aside a little bit. Each of your Christians in the church can just set aside a little bit in their home the first day of the week as they may prosper, depending on how their trading went or their sales or whatever uh, kind of business they were in, however they got their money. They prospered well. They could put aside a little bit. And by the time Paul got there, this would have accrued to be a substantial offering, a substantial collection that he could have transported to those in Jerusalem in need. Uh, This was not, this is not like a real emotional appeal. This is not a big one-time blowout, give everything you have. This is not a neglect your children's hunger kind of thing. This is a We can think through a strategy where we can help our brothers and sisters over there if we just do it faithfully in an ongoing way. So we see that it was directed by someone with a broader view. It was done systematically. Um, As we think about the system they had, I'll just point out, that's sort of what we started doing with our Penny Crusade collections. You know, we used to do them all back-to-back Sundays for several weeks. And you guys have always been generous to that, um, and, you know, it went pretty well. But for the last year or two years, I can't remember, we started doing it the first Sunday of every month. And spreading it out like that, we've seen a huge increase in how much we've been able to collect because we've spread it out and we've made it more of a faithful, ongoing part of how we give to help other churches, which is, in a way, what Penny Crusade does. So it was directed by someone with a broader view, It was done systematically. And then the third principle I'll point out, it was done carefully. Let's look at verses 3 and 4 again. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. So if you've been with us for several summers, you know that there were some troubled individuals in the Corinthian church. Not the kind of people you want to entrust a large financial collection to and just send them off hoping that they're going to get to Jerusalem with it. 
There were some really immature people, some troubled people. So Paul says, I want you to think it over and find some people who are tried and true, and I want them to be in charge of this. But more than that, I want you actually to even validate that they are trustworthy in writing so that we can entrust them this task of taking this money to this church that needs help. So that's it. Those are your three principles. I told you it's going to be a pretty straightforward sermon this morning. I'll tell you a little aside. You know, we, this, these meetings the last several days were in Massachusetts, and several of the people on the board are pastors. And as we were all leaving, four of us were flying back at the same time, and three of us are, were going to be preaching this morning. And in the car, uh, the one driving, it was Chet Hart. Some of you know Chet. said, uh, well, do you have your sermon ready for tomorrow? And I started to answer, you know, basically, he's like, can I have it? Because I think we all went, I think we all went thinking, you know, we'll have these meetings, but we'll have breaks and we'll have time that we can, you know, give to polishing up our sermons. But man, you have to be so focused during these meetings. There's just no mental energy. So I think we were all kind of stumbling through the airport, trying to find a place to go over our sermons. And so that's one reason I trimmed mine back from going through verse 18 just to going through verse 4. Uh, it's just too much. But also, I thought, this is a straightforward paragraph of Scripture, and so it deserves to just be taken in in a straightforward manner. So we see some principles for how they helped each other among churches then. How could this apply to us? Well, I've got three applications for us based on our, the three principles we observed. First one was, it was directed by someone with a broader view I think if we would like to be helpful to the greater body of Christ, the church with a capital C, we will need to be directed by someone with a broader view than what we have from within Doolin's Grove. Now, it is overwhelming to think there are a thousand other congregations just in Charlotte. How on earth are we going to try to be helpful to that many churches? How are we even going to know who's in need? Uh, 400,000 in North America, over 10 million in the world. What, how do you even begin? Well, I, I want to suggest that we make the most of our place in our denomination. So we have local churches where individual Christians gather together and commit to one another and say, we're going to trust and follow Jesus together. It's not that we're not going to love other Christians from other churches or other individual Christians at all. It's just that for us to really live this out, we need to sort of define a relationship with some other Christians so we can just claim responsibility for each other. Because there's too many Christians in the world for us to feel responsible for every single one of them. That's sort of what denominations can be also. So denominations, I don't think are good when they divide us up as the church with a capital C. But I do think they're good when they organize us so that we can do things like this. I think without some organization that a denomination provides, we just we get a little paralyzed and we just don't do anything beyond what we can do in our little church. But thankfully, praise God, we are part of a denomination. We're part of an organization, an organization of churches, uh, part of a network of churches, to use Matt Larkin's word. Uh, he always calls it a network of churches. I think that we can make the most of that. I think there may be better ways that we can serve other churches by perhaps being a little bit more engaged as a church in our denomination. 
So our denomination is Advent Christian denomination, ACGC, the Advent Christian General Conference is across the street here. It's our global headquarters. Uh, we have the executive director in our congregation, uh, the director of finances in our congregation, the director of international mich- outreach missions. Okay, they changed the name of it, and I was never sure if I'm getting it right. We have Julia, who works in the missions department, but I don't know if, what the title might be there. Volunteer, okay. Uh, and we have two of the coordinators in the communication department, Karen Meredith, in our congregation. The ACGC sort of has the, the grand view of the entire playing field, of the entire game board for our denomination. And then from there, we're divided up into regions. We are part of one of the regions of our denomination. It's the Appalachian region. And then each region is divided up into conferences. We're part of the Piedmont Conference of the Appalachian region. And our conference is actually divided up into a northern and southern district. We're in the southern district of our conference. So I I wish I had like an infographic to show you all this, but it occurred to me, I don't know that everybody here really has much awareness of our place in the denomination that we're a part of. Um, I would like to get that visually in some kind of an infographic to show you sometime, but just within our denomination, we're part of something bigger than just our church. And we have a role to play there, and I think it might be good for us to maybe do a prayerful reevaluation of what that might look like for us. Um, right now, it looks like a lot of different things. Some things are unofficial. Some are more official, particularly in terms of funds, like what this passage is talking about. We have two things going on in terms of financially supporting the churches of the denomination. One of them is called United Ministries. We actually budget to give 10% of what comes into our general fund giving to go to United Ministries. So we, our church kind of tithes what we give to the general fund to the program from ACGC called United Ministries. And that's kind of their general fund. But when you give to United Ministries, 30% of that goes to your region, which would be the Appalachian region for us. This is real exciting stuff, isn't it? You guys are glad to come here for an, or, an organizational talk. I'm not going to go much deeper in, into this direction. I just, I, I don't know if you guys are aware of our place here. So that's why I wanted to just mention these things. So you have the United Ministries that we budget to give to, and therefore I really never talk about it because um, we just automatically give to that. Some of you may have never even heard of that. Um, then we have Penny Crusade, which you do hear about the first Sunday of every month. And this all goes to the International Missions Department for getting the gospel out there in the world. And, you know, that just, that's not budgeted for us. That just comes from your giving, your generosity each month. Like I said, I, I think there, there may be opportunity for us to reevaluate the way we go about our um, involvement in the denomination, including our financial involvement, just to make sure we're following the, the best strategy. Uh, coming from these Berkshire meetings, I was reminded that every entity in our denomination needs money in order to operate. Uh, we need to progress in leadership development. Everybody who's working on that is going to need funds to make that work. Uh, we need to progress in international missions. That's going to take funds. We need to progress in church planting. That's going to take funds. We need to progress in church health. That's going to take funds. We need to figure out what part we want to play in all this. And I don't have the, I'm not telling you the answer. I don't have the answer. Um, I'd like us to be praying about it as a church and as something that, uh, you know, I might start talking to the board about and things like that. Another application for us, 
The first one, let's be directed by someone with a broader view. Let's let the fact that we are part of a denomination be a blessing to us and, and see what we can do to be a responsible part of that. The second thing, let's do it systematically. So I mentioned for United Ministries, that's budgeted as a 10%. Penny Crusade is a monthly just donation-based. Is that the best way? Is that the most effective way that we can be helpful? Is that the best system? I don't know. We've been doing it that way for a long time. It's been a while since we've really reevaluated. Might be time to do that. And then the third one is simply, like the principal said, let's do it all carefully. I should say let's continue to do it carefully because Don Rutan and everybody involved in our this area of our church, of our finances, does an excellent job of making sure it's all above board and done thoughtfully. Um, but let's continue to do that. Now, some of you might be thinking, other than, wow, this may be the most boring sermon I've ever heard. He's talking about an org chart. You also might be thinking, why should we invest, whether it's financially or with our energy or any of our resources, manpower, in other churches when we have our own problems? Doolin's Grove is not a fully perfected church. We have a lot of growing to do. We have a lot of issues of our own to work on. Why should we give of ourselves beyond ourselves to other churches at all? Shouldn't we just sort of batten down the hatches and just focus inward? Well, if any church could have made that argument, it was the church in Corinth. If you've been here over the summers, you know that this church was a mess. They, were, they had divisions. They had people arguing with each other. Who was the better teacher? Can you imagine if our Sunday school teachers who rotate in here, if, if the Sunday school class started to fight each other over which teacher was the best one? Well, I'm with Jeff. He's the best teacher. Uh-uh, I'm with Ron. He's the best teacher. That's what was going on in Corinth. And yet Paul was expecting them still to take responsibility for other churches and be helpful to other churches. They had worse than that. They, they had lawsuits against each other within the church. They had immorality that's, that's too graphic for me to just mention briefly, but you might remember those sermons going on in the church. Still, Paul didn't say, once y'all get your act together, start to minister beyond yourself among other churches as well. It's just part of the process of being a church, even now. It's part of probably how he thought they would grow healthy, looking outward a little bit. So we don't have to wait until we're better. We can go ahead and start thinking in these ways. Let's remember that we are a part of something much bigger than ourselves. And let's remember that our church is part of something much bigger than our church. We're connected with the thousand other churches that are worshiping in Charlotte right now. We're connected with the other 400,000 churches in North America, the other 10 million churches around the world. We're all on the same team working toward the same goal, to make disciples of all nations, to bring about the faith that we cherish in Jesus Christ. So, let's do our part. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, reminding us that there is a bigger world out there than, than our encapsulated church world, that you are doing things among your people around the globe. Would you please give us wisdom on how we can do our part, be the best stewards of our resources, 
do the most good for your kingdom. It may be that we have no changes to make and what we're doing now is just right uh, because I know a lot of prayer has gone into where we are now. But if not, would you please reveal that to us? Give us a real unity of mind if there's another way or a better way to go about being a blessing to other churches beyond just our own church. So we submit ourselves to you for this now. In Jesus' name, amen.